Shazamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to an undoubtedly legendary episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. That's exactly what it is. Doc, very recent past. Doc, Be- right now. <laughs> because, yikes caramba, Podcast Land, we just watched The Power of the Doctor, and this is our instant-ish reaction review. But who are us? <laughs> who are we? Well, I am Leon, and I have the esteemed pleasure of gazing across my table at the thirst trap that is Drew back when. <laughs> Hello, Drew. How are you? Hello, Leon. You need your eyes tested. Stat. <laughs> but I'll accept those compliments for as long as they're inaccurate. Mm. While I'm dishing out compliments, please, um, unfortunately, in lieu of an actual Oscar slash Grammy slash whatever the British or uh, whatever's Mystic review. Meg's slash ball. Pulitzer slash... <laughs> Nobel Prize. Yeah, you are herewith awarded the Nobel Prize in predicting Doctor Who regeneration episode plots. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to someone's theory. I did have to pick the correct theory out of the multiple ones out there, but boy, did I land on the right one. What did uh, I say at the end of the last bonus episode? Podcast Land will be thinking they saw all this in their head already. What well, can I ask you about the guy who wrote that article? Morgan Jeffrey. Yeah, Morgan Jeffrey, kiss your career goodbye because he clearly has an in at the BBC. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that now counts as a leak. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, well done. Podcast Land, we were sitting on my sofa watching this just a moment ago and every now and then something would just pop up and we would look at each other and just go, yep, you called it. (laughs) (laughs) And by you, I mean you, Drew. So yeah, well done. And then that happened at the end and I scared the shit out of Evie. Oh my goodness, you really did. You really did. (laughs) Much like Jodie did. Yeah. We've listed a few things that we need to hit in this uh, instantish reaction review podcast land and top of the list. We we need to talk it. We, We need to address this right off the bat. Regeneration. How about we expand that into the Doctor and the Regeneration? How did Jodie do in her last trip in the TARDIS? Oh, oh, that's an. Ent- I feel like that's an entirely different bullet point, but fine. I, I feel like one <laughs> should precede the other. Okay, go ahead then. How did you feel about Jodie? There was a lot of her to go around. We've already had her duplicated in Flux. Two or three of her, three of her in that last Flux episode, and here there were loads of her AIs. There were as many Doctors as there were companions. Yeah, and I thought she did a great job from that point on up to that point in the episode. It's hard to remember because that's a lot of Doctor Who content to go. That's practically two episodes ago. Maybe it was a slowish start. It was quite a formulaic, quite a conventional Jodie Whittaker start to begin with. The, the action. Do you remember on minute one where she answers the distress call from the bullet train and you basically said, oh, I can't wait for her to go. Actually, the words that came out of my mouth were, I can't wait for her to die. I was trying to gloss over um, that, but a kudos to your honesty. Open book here. Okay, fine. In my opinion, Jodie Whittaker did an admirable job. Nice. And <laughs> where she sort of did not, in a sense... That was not her fault. That was down to perhaps issues that I would take with how this episode was structured. We'll we'll get to that stuff at some point, I'm sure. In general, she did really well. I think she got better as the episode progressed. Agreed. And meaning at the very, very end for the regeneration and for her farewell from Yaz and so on, I, I, that was some of the best Whittaker we've had. 
Yeah, yeah. She didn't really transcend the very chaotic early part of the episode. Yeah, there was too much going on to really focus on the Doctor singularly. But that's the thing. That has nothing to do with her. That is not her fault. Oh, absolutely. But then when it did start to funnel towards the conclusion and narrow back down again, you're right. She was worthy of the task of shouldering it and giving us the send off, the the feels, the the sadness that another Doctor is done. Yeah, I think so. You know what? It's just on me. There's one question that we tend to ask that we never, that we tend to ask at the start of any review, and we haven't asked each other that question now. High level. How do you feel about this? I think it was better than my expectations. Now, mm-hmm. I did write down that my expectations were that this would be a turd, well polished to the point of mediocrity via CGI and post production. It was way better than that. I would happily watch it again. This time with the subtitles on so I could catch most of the dialogue I missed because of the music and everything else and the accents. Yeah. And, and, the, and the lasers and the explosions and... The uh, cacophony in general. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm yes. glad to hear it. High level, what did you think? I thought the episode also got better as it went along. Mm-hmm. The first third of it, I just didn't really like. There was just too much happening and it was all just action, 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 action. But then after a while, the plot kind of coalesced and you got a sense of, right, hang on, this is heading in a particular direction. And yeah, in the end, I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess it's not a bad episode. I would. It's, prob- a, it's a really good send off for Whitaker. Yeah, I would probably rate it as a bit better than Matt Smith's send off. The Time of the Doctor, honestly, on the planet of Christmas. It's never been one of my favourites. No, So it's a bit of a low bar. Yeah. And I'd say this was better than that. She also gets a much better final speech, final dialogue and final monologue than Matt Smith got, than Capaldi got. There was no nonsense about, oh, and children, they can understand me or whatever the heck Capaldi says. Yeah, if they've eaten enough sherbet first. Yeah, exactly. In their sugar comas, they can commune with me mystically somehow. Yeah, exactly. In that sense, that's really good stuff. That's also not really Jodie Whittaker. That's now the episode getting slightly better or slightly better written towards the end. But yeah, did you feel that it was tastefully handled? Her regeneration slash her regenerations? Oh, do you mean her regeneration, degeneration, final regeneration? That's right, yeah. And also, what? Regenerate into... Yeah, what? (laughs) What? 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 Sorry. <laughs> I thought a third one was coming there. <laughs> oh, I see. What? Tenant's looking good for his age, isn't he? Yeah, he's looking pretty great. <laughs> Hardest working man in show business. He's in everything, all the time, everywhere. He was Inside Man last week. He was what? He was a vicar in Moffat's new show, Inside Man. Oh, I've not seen that. Yeah, with Stanley Tucci. No, oh, I've seen the trailer for it. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Cool. Back to the show. Back to the show. Yeah, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the regeneration? Yeah. All right, let's talk about the regeneration. <laughs> The final regeneration. Exactly as you called it, exactly as that chap called it, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Exactly as RTD slipped slash didn't let slip. Actually, yes, you just gave away the whole thing, RTD, thanks. Chippers, <laughs> <laughs> you're off his Christmas card list. Just couldn't stop drip-feeding us breadcrumbs, could you, RTD? That's not even how that works. I'm mixing liquids and solids, but you don't care. You just want to drop some hype. I'm not sure what to say about this regeneration. Oh, yeah. Did you not think it was majestic on Durdle Door staring out over the English Channel? I can't see anything of my chibbers at a cliff's edge and not think of Broadchurch. <laughs> oh, uh, right. this is why when that scene came out, I was like, did she materialize on the set of Broadchurch? Like, th- this is his thing. Oh, Clearly, where it's they his thing. Met, right? 
Jodie was in Broadchurch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's how they are. That's a nice little personal touch. I'm assuming the nod is to the timeless child thing of falling off a cliff and dying and then regenerating. Ooh. I'm assuming that's the nod. I like that too. You know what I thought was a nice touch? She didn't do it in the TARDIS. I thought faux shizzle. She's going to be in the TARDIS and the energy yet again is going to blow up the interior. You wanted to see that happen. Does that mean this interior has survived and we're stuck with it for another year? I doubt it. I'm sure we'll get a revamped (laughs) TARDIS interior. No, undoubtedly. But frankly, that's what the trailer led me to believe or to expect. Mm -hmm. Also nice touch that she didn't do this in front of Yaz. I think she and Yaz. Can we talk Yaz? Yes. She had a she had a really nice farewell with Yaz. Yes. The thing I liked about that, and this is another one of the things that I said throughout the episode. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I like that. I did that on multiple occasions. You were there. Yeah. And this was one of them where Yaz said, "Let's not say goodbye." And I turned to you and said, "Oh, she finally gets the Doctor." They finally made that first connection that were they to be a believable nearly couple should have been made approximately around the time of Rosa to demonstrate a mutual understanding and compromises thereby. And and yes. Yeah, it turns out my predictions about this episode were about as wrong as my predictions about how I was going to feel about the absence of any kind of romantic end of arc, you know, conclusion for them mm-hmm. here. I thought I was going to be really disappointed if they didn't have some moment, some some romantic tension at their farewell. I, I didn't feel it. I think this was handled super well. In fact, I think the two of them sitting on the roof of the TARDIS looking at the Earth... Very pretty shot. Beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stunning. I think that, coupled with Yaz later on in the Companions Anonymous group that Graham is now leading, which is a great idea, I think. Yep. Those two bits are, they, they leave everything that I expected and thought that maybe I wanted to hear them say beautifully unsaid. The absence of them echoes so much louder than than any words could have. So yeah, very nicely handled. Yes. And that level of surety in handling is something that has been lacking during Chibber's run. Many things have been lacking. Yeah. But that definitely, the way that they need to say everything that is appearing on screen, or everything that they're thinking, or everything in the plot to date, betrays the, the confidence for the viewer to understand what isn't said and to fill in the blanks for themselves. And here he actually let it happen and it was really effective. It was. We said this while we were watching it. Yaz gets a little bit of agency. She gets to actually finally do something or rather she gets to sort of project manage other people doing stuff. But she does display considerable bravery and steel in her interactions with the master. Oh, abundantly so. Yes. She's. If it weren't for Yaz, Doc would be dead. Or she would now be the master of sorts. Still don't get that. Maybe that's something to leave for when we properly review this. Yeah. Uh, unless you have opinions you want to share about that now. But no, she did super well. She saved dogs, saved the earth, saved everyone. Yada, yada, yada. And in the end, she survived. Yeah, yes, she did survive. Mm. We talked I, about her p- potentially dying. She did not die. I don't think anyone saw that coming. No. But that's nice because Yaz as a character is only now about 25 so she's got the rest of her life ahead of her. Is she about 25? Well, she was about 1920, wasn't she, when she first met the Doctor in Sheffield, in The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Yeah. Then I think, so in in flux with the old guy and is, Dan, they spent two or three years bumming around Was it temples. two or three? This, this is exactly what I was going to ask you about. I couldn't yeah. remember how Indiana long Indiana Jonesing across yeah, exactly. the 30s or the turn of the century or whatever. Yeah. 
Okay. So Yaz is only one of several companions we encounter here. What about the other companions? What about the other companions? Whom were you most excited to see? Don't make me choose. So... <laughs> Can I choose for you? Was it Ian? It probably was, yes. <laughs> it probably definitely absolutely 100 billion percent was. Dude, who is Ian for people who don't know? What's his surname? What vintage is he of? Ian Chesterton, aka Ian Chatterton, is Chesterfield, is one Who's of... been flubbing all these lines to get these surnames wrong? Ian was one of the companions, one of the first companions of the very first doctor who famously, yeah, did flub his surname on a number yeah. of occasions. All of 59 years ago. So lovely to see him. Who else was there? There were a few people I recognised, a few people I didn't recognise. Joe was there. Obviously, Ace and Tegan were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tegan didn't die. Sorry, Doctor Who gives a fuck. (laughs) But again, fantastic bingo charts. Excellent. (laughs) Super duper well done. And whilst watching this, we also did say... Wait, what was it? I I said this at some point. What was it? Cyber Briggs. Was a reference to to the Brigadier. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. No, super well bingoed. Yeah, very nice to have all those companions. I thought the Companions Anonymous scene was great. We get two of them particularly involved in this plot. Tegan and Ace. Ace, I've never encountered on screen. I don't know what she was like, but I now cannot wait to see her. Oh, goodness. Everything about her. Her attitude, her 80s references, the hints at stories past that she was part of. Yeah. It was all enthralling. I, I liked the use of nitro. I liked the baseball bat. I liked absolutely everything about her, actually. She was yeah, she yeah, was yeah. terrific. And I totally got that bit wrong as well. Even though I guess she and Tegan have been in touch, sans unit, they're somehow doing their thing. Yeah. And note, Podcast Land, if Graham and Ace were to get together and have a couple's name, it would be Grace. <laughs> Jam and string! <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Tegan, meanwhile. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hang on, didn't she plummet down the lift shaft? Yeah. Was that resolved? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's one possible answer to that. Did she not also have a parachute? Could she have put on the parachute whilst plummeting down the lift shaft and thus landed safely at the bottom of it? Oh, possibly. That's pretty dumb, but yeah, that is definitely a possibility. (laughs) About as dumb as them, just as you very rightly pointed out as we were watching this, she and Kegel's just walking away from this this building as it has just imploded. Yeah, a maximum of eight feet away from a building that was taller than the Shard. About ten times taller than the Shard. Yeah, looking down (laughs) on the Shard when Ace is up there with her parachute going, oh, I'm scared of heights. I, I don't want to parachute from a tall building. I want to parachute from one five floors up, as if that makes any more sense. But yeah. yeah, yeah, they weren't caught in the blast radius or the impact zone. They were just like, whoo. There's also no dust. We don't get the mandatory, you know, <laughs> brushing oh, yeah. dust off the shoulders scene. But as I made a note in the episode, the building's destruction does allow RTD to literally rebuild unit from the ground up yeah. in his own image once more. Has Chibbs... We need to get back to Tegan in a second, but like, has... Chib has not actually done that. The last time we had Unit, surely we didn't have Unit. No, we had the support line. and Yeah, because Unit had been dismantled. Yeah, and then during Flux, the latter part of Flux, Kegels came back. Oh, right, yeah, okay. And the British government has learned from its mistakes, which it's famous for doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just look at politics today. Yeah. (laughs) It was really nice to see all those companions in some... that nostalgia factor getting to yeah is is something that even James Bond can't do it it can't bring back George Lazenby 
Or Timothy Dalton. Yeah, what 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 are they well I, I suppose they did similar things when they had, let's say, Desmond Llewellyn's farewell as Q, as yeah. he just sinks down on that platform and his assistant, John Cleese, takes over. Oh yes. I forgot John Cleese was R for a while. So you have that sort of thing. But you're right, it's not quite the same. Yeah, it doesn't come close. And also, this episode in gathering together all these old faces has really stolen Picard's thunder. <laughs> Picard can eat my whole ass. That Johnny's really... back. Riker's back. Lore <laughs> is back. Yes, I watched the trailer as well. <laughs> I'm definitely not watching that show. It is. You know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Red Letter Media watching it for me and tearing it asunder. <laughs> That's exactly what I need to see. Okay, Tegan. Yes. Tegan, I think, mm-hmm. acted in exactly the same way. I mean, acted as an actor, not acted as a companion. Acted in this episode of Doctor Who exactly the same way that she acted in all the serials of Classic Who that she was in. So she was a model of consistency, and her poise and control is to be lauded. I think there's a reason why we don't want everything to look exactly and be portrayed exactly the same way that it was in the, well, in the classic era in general. Oh. She's, what, early 80s, I think? Tom Baker, Peter Davison, 81 to 83, something like that. I think there's a reason we don't want to see that acted the same way today. <laughs> oh. Here's what springs to mind. You've seen Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. You know when the uh, silent movie actors are for the first time acting in a talkie? I'm not calling Tegan a silent <laughs> movie era actor. But you know that scene in Singing in the Rain and everyone's, wow, well, you really can't act. No, they absolutely can act, but they can act for a slightly different era of television. And now we've got talkies and it doesn't really work and they have to learn to, to act and in their case act and sing and dance from scratch. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what's happened with Tegan here. Tegan is acting the same way that she did with Peter Davison, and it just doesn't work in New Who. Yeah, back in the days of cathode rays, 16 by 24, whatever it was, before standard resolution, high resolution 4K, you had to make your movements that much bigger to register... As something more than a cardboard cutout. That's right. Than a prop. Because if you stood still for too long on TV, your image would be burnt onto the surface of the television set. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and some of that over-enunciation really stood out. (laughs) That's Tegan. We've got more things on our list here. So many more things. What's next? I've got a question for you, actually. This is not one of our bullet points. Can I interpolate a question? Dude, I've been messing with this format from the start. Paintings? Paintings? Oh, I really like the master with a pearl earring, but the screen one wasn't very good. It's just a fun way for the master to get the doctor's attention. That's all it was. And embroil him in the cogs of his plans machinery. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. And there was some flair to that. Yeah, yeah. The master at the Last Supper. That was pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) The pearl earring was my favourite, I think. That's why they came back to that. They were really pleased with that one. And they were rightly so. Mm. Fine. Next bullet point. Next action. Is, it is action. The music. Can I talk about the music? Please, talk, talk my ear off. Well, I mean, the, I feel like there's barely any ear left for me to talk off because the music just sandblasted it. And occasionally it was really exciting music, even though people were just sitting down having a conversation. Yes. <laughs> On yes. the few occasions that they sat down for a conversation. They massively over-orchestrated it. There's probably a five CD soundtrack album that they're going to release off the back of this <laughs> with three or four hours of the BBC Concert Orchestra trying to justify its existence. Please don't shut us down, UK government. It, 
it was relentless. It did start to let up towards the end. As you say, when the episode started to become better structured and better paced and easier to follow, the music either was a part of that or helped propel us in, in that direction because... Yeah, as you say early on, it was just a wall of noise. It was a wall of noise, but also just a wall of of action. Yeah, stabbing strings, like constantly, <sighs> when, as you say, people are just... I think it was the master early on with some under-his-breath menacing chat to the Sarina. Yeah. And that should be a sort of... Usually that would be a quieter more menacing scene but we needed to be told that it was epic and this interior was supposed to be the winter palace and so the only way they could do that was to have the strings going (laughs) just over and over yeah in general sound design i don't think was handled particularly well in this episode that's both music that's the special effects that's all the the filters that they've added onto voices we talked about when we were watching we were talking about people wearing helmets oh, for yeah. example we've got and you a can't... scouse in a helmet with the bullet train zooming along underneath and the cybermen weapons exploding and how are you supposed to hear you any of those wisecracks you can't hear anything and that's no. most of dan in this episode i honestly have no idea what he said no. on that train no 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 <laughs> yeah okay but, uh, but, but yeah. that contrasts with how good this episode looked. It looked fantastic. It looked incredible. I could barely fault a single frame. In fact, that same scene when they are on the train, we were both saying, holy smokes, we can't hear a word he's saying on screen, or we can't understand a word he's saying on screen, but also this episode looks redonk. Like, yeah. It absolutely looks redonk. They have put so much money and time and effort into into just the look and feel of it. I feel like maybe they could have spent a little bit more time on the photoshopping of of famous paintings, but that's fine. In general, Mm. the special effects looked insane. However, just getting back to the point of action. Oh, yeah. We also did say something like five or ten minutes into the episode. Yeah, still nothing but lasers. Yeah, it was going at Mach 100 and Warp 100. I don't know how fast that bullet train goes, but that's the speed with which this episode took off. But I also feel like that's how it went on for most of the episodes. They they even cut anything that was tantamount to, I don't want to call it dead air, but like tantamount to just an opportunity to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> they cut. So what's his name? Vinda? Vinda crashes. Cut to, oh, he sees the TARDIS. Cut to, he's in the TARDIS. There's not even the like, oh, I mean, okay, fine. He has that little phone call, whatever. But there's not a, oh, can't believe I made it. Oh, am I still in one piece? Oh, look at a photo of my beloved. <laughs> like, there's nothing. There's no respite. No, there isn't. The converse way of looking at that is this was the longest episode of Doctor Who ever, mm-hmm. and there was zero padding whatsoever. Our None. snacks, our bowls of snacks, are still basically intact yep. from two hours ago, because yep. we didn't have time to reach for them or chew on them because there was too much going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that they eked out a normal episode into feature length. They really did pack it in. Well, I feel like they took a a three-hour movie and packed it into an hour and a half because they cut all the other stuff. And I think there's a reliance on the seasons we've had with the fam to date that 
we don't have to establish how people feel, how what they're thinking in any given scene. We can kind of, as an audience, we can kind of ascertain how Yaz feels or what Doc might tell Dan in a certain situation. We just cut that out. Mm. Even when Dan leaves, Doc doesn't say a word. Oh, goodness. And it's, it feels like that's a, that's a moment that you should focus on. But I guess as an audience, we can fill in that blank because we know what she would say if she spoke to Dan. She'd say something really nice and wish him, you know, a fond farewell and good luck and Godspeed. And that would be well, it. sort of. But she does give that to Yaz later on. So what we as an audience must fill in is that she did care about Yaz. Dan, she never gave a fuck. Well, no one gave a fuck about Dan, but also... I'm surprised that the Doctor was included in that number, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> Sorry, just to round off the action point, there was a degree of action comparable to a, like, the raid. Have you seen the raid? No, but I've seen Dread. I think that's the closest thing to the raid I have super seen. Super similar, super similar. But you know what? Dread also had moments of introspection and contemplation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this was just like action scene after action scene after action scene. And I needed just a moment to breathe at some point. Oh, but didn't it look good in that Bolivian volcano? E- everything looked fantastic. <laughs> the Bolivian, when they materialized in the volcano, we were both expecting, I think, all oh, right, we're going to see them materialize on what is clearly just a set somewhere. And yeah. then they materialize next to the most beautiful lava river I've ever seen in my life. What's it called? Star Wars Episode 3, Eat Your Heart Out. (laughs) Yeah. Fires of Pompeii, eat your heart out. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yikes, caramba. But no, you're right. It did come quite close to what I described in our preview as what would be the biggest crime, which would be 89 minutes of action, one minute of Doc Yaz bonding. Yeah. Probably could have done with a little more balance. I agree. I think maybe also just a little more emphasis given or a little more time given to the plot as opposed to just the execution of it. Yes, and the breakneck exposition of it while it's happening. Oh my goodness, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh goodness, I'm thinking of Tegan's first scene. Oh, ugh. Yeah, talk me through it. Talking to Ace. (laughs) Get it out of On the video phone. (laughs) And saying, this is exactly where I've been for the last 40 years and this is what I'm doing now. (laughs) Yep. seismologists are nothing compared to where I am in this vol- Romanian volcano range. That doesn't ring true. <laughs> yeah, what? Exposition Central. Oh, by the way, I got this thing two minutes into this conversation. By the way, I got this thing sent to me from the dock. Wait, what the fuck? You've been in contact with the dock? Why did, is this not the first thing you've mentioned? Why did you not call Ace the second you received it? Why are you holding the little doll thing in your hand? Also, she said it's a Russian nesting doll. What does the doll look like? Oh, it looks like this, and it's just an action figure of a Cyberman. That's not a Russian nesting doll. Was there a larger (laughs) Cyberman around (laughs) it? Do you not understand what a Russian nesting doll is, Tegan? Maybe the doctor's message said that it was a Russian nesting doll. Not the doctor's message, obviously. She thought it was the doctor's message. It was actually the master. Yeah. That would be the only way that would not fall down yeah okay so perhaps on rewatch we will find that the the master actually left her a misleading message Hmm. and when it turned out to be a russian nesting doll when it grew up to full size and a platoon of cybermen came out that looked awesome yeah yeah super awesome nice there were some really good twists and concepts and surprises throughout this episode that leads us quite neatly to the master how do you feel about the master it's so tricky because it's hard to judge the master by 
standard metrics. If you say he was all over the place, well, of course he was all over the place. He's the master. Yeah, that's what the <laughs> Sasha Dewan master is exactly like. Yeah. And yet you have to be able <laughs> to say no. Sometimes the master is all over the place in a in a better way and sometimes he's all over the place and it doesn't hang together in the same way and yeah. it's random and it's not as effective. It's hard for me to say. <laughs> what do you think? I felt that he did best when he was dying on the moon and the doctor was saying you gambled and lost and then I could actually see Sacha Dewan properly acting. Like, But that's five seconds of Sacha Dewan acting. Yes. <laughs> and that five seconds... I'm not saying it was better than the rest in its totality, but sure. I'm saying it reached a higher pitch. I would completely agree with you on that, yeah. As we don't see this master regenerate into anyone else, presumably he crawls his way back into the TARDIS and he regenerates and we'll get a different master down the line, <laughs> I have no doubt. If we consider this the conclusion of the Sasha Dewan master, which I assume that it is... Would you like it to be? Yes, I think so too. I think I'm done with the Sasha Dwan Master. He was a nice master for the for the Whitaker era. Those two actually now in hindsight kind of pair well. She's they they equally I don't I don't know what I'm getting. They're well at. matched in a way. We'll figure out what way. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> yeah, exactly. Over the next 8 months. I need to revisit their relationship perhaps, but in general, yes, I would prefer this to be the end of the Sasha Dwan Master. Yeah. What hidden depths is he going to bring to it? If he were to be brought back. If he were to be brought back, I... <clears throat> Here's the thing. He works in the Chibbers universe. Mm-hmm. RTD revamps the whole thing or, you know, reboots the whole thing in his own way, just like any new showrunner does. We'll have a different Doctor. Are we going to have the same madcap Sasha Dwan master with a completely different Doctor? No, we need someone who is written to complement that new Doctor. Ah, they brought back John Sim, and it's fun to see different configurations match up against each other. Yeah, sure. Okay. Regardless, I'm happy for this to be the end of Sasha <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dwan. Yeah, no, me too. And I'm, I'm devil's advocating it. And in that sense, I think this was a nice performance f- from him to just to conclude this character. Now, what that character did in this episode... I'm not 100% sure I understand all of it. I've only seen it once. I didn't take a single note. And oh. Yeah. I, I, I like that his ultimate plan was, as one of us predicted, to go around the universe identity thieving the Doctor, responding to distress calls, and causing chaos. I like that you were right, but can I just point out, I don't like that as a plot point. I, I think that's a really shit plot point, but you absolutely yeah. nailed predicting that. But, but I didn't expect that to be what the Master was going to then devote the rest of his existence to. It's too small for the Master. It subordinates him to the Doctor. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah, exactly. What he, He's effectively sacrificed his own identity. In his ideal version of the future, he has no more identity. He's just the Doctor at this point until maybe he regenerates into a different... Like, what, what, is, what is his plan? Yeah, but, and, and that might be psychologically interesting, but that wasn't really explored in any way. Yeah, and core to the Chibbers era and the Whittaker era is the Doctor's regeneration powers are not what they have ever been before for 59 years. They have been something else, well, 57, whenever this was introduced. So he takes her regeneration power, he somehow usurps it, and there's not a single reference to her regeneration power being different. He's Mm. only taken her regeneration so that he can pretend to be her. What the fuck? All he had to do was peek out of a TARDIS that he has already 
proven himself capable of making it look like a phone box, look into a camera, a little journalistic probe camera, and just say, hi, I'm the doctor, this is my fault. Yeah, clearly, A, there's zero journalistic integrity in the future, and <laughs> B, you didn't need to usurp her regeneration energy to accomplish that. You could just don all these cosplay outfits and talk to a journalist. That's all you needed to do. <laughs> that so, was fun, though, to see the mishmash of previous Doctor's clothes that he was wearing. I liked that on a very superficial level. Yes, I absolutely liked that, but I don't understand this as a plot device. I don't understand no. the, the, like, the bad guy plot lot of i'm gonna force her to regenerate into me because what does that even mean have they merged like, like yeah. what does that mean because the master has learnt during whitaker's run that she was the timeless child she gave all time lords their regenerative abilities and everything he would start to feel inferior yeah. he would buck against that by saying right i'm killing off the, all the time lords i'm killing off jodie whittaker I am rebirthing the Time Lord race, but this time it's going to be in my image and it's all going to be down to me. He's already done that with the Cybers. Why would he not do that with the... Well, it's, yeah. It, yes. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Except as Sacha Dewan plays the Master, he's too chaotic for that. He doesn't have the scope to his plans. It's just, I as an individual am going to, like a juggernaut plow through whatever's in front of me and screw it up and cause maximum destruction rather than build something new and much more sinister and interesting in its place yeah so rtd if you're listening (laughs) and you're still willing to take notes yeah question for you about the master yes what was the whole 1916 plot come back in eight months (laughs) i don't know (laughs) doctor who is a timey-wimey show but why this 106 year gap was inserted and what relevance it had i i don't know yeah apart from to get the doctor out of 2022 but you could just as easily do that with space exactly so no there isn't a specifically temporal motivation i don't think i don't think so either we talked over a crucial line i don't think so we'll find out yeah okay next bullet point on the list yes classic doctors and classic companions we've already done classic companions classic doctors yes and i said oh maybe they've leaked these companions to hide the fact that they've brought back the bigger stars and boy did they mccoy i i was flabbergasted with the appearance of each subsequent one leon who did you most like seeing again? Well, Paul McGann, obviously. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Let's just get that out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was it odd, do you think, that we only got those Doctors? So in, at the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, we had all 12. No, 13. Of course. Plus the War Doctor. Except most of that was classic footage repurposed. But that's true, but we still had them. Like, we have that V shot, you know, like the 13 of them standing in a V with Matt Smith in the... Is it Matt Smith in the middle? Yeah, it is Matt Smith in yeah, the middle. Yeah, We still have that. Here we have Paul McGann, Peter Davison, Colin Baker. The seventh dog. Jodie Whittaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... Oh, and not William Hartnell, but the first Doctor as portrayed by Bradley. David Bradley. David Bradley, yeah, thank you. Oh, and then at the end, we also get Tennant. And we get a preview post-credits of Tutti. Yes! Mm. Oh my goodness, super, super duper excited. But that's not all of them. That's just shy of half of them. <laughs> yep. We got the master playing Troughton's recorder. That was nice. That was that was very nice. Yep, yep, yep. yep. But I see what you're saying. There Isn't was no Eccleston. Yep. There was no Tennant. That's not a surprise, necessarily. 
No, although he has been reconciled with Big Finish, at least. Right, okay, yeah, fair. He's recording audios for them, and Nick Briggs was in this episode, so it's not like you can even really separate them. Yeah. Uh, Tennant, I understand why they didn't have given the finale. Matt Smith is probably too busy with whatever the Game of Thrones prequel is. House of Dragons or something something like that. And Peter Capaldi, he has given an interview saying, no, I haven't appeared in the 60th or the centenary episode because I had my go around once. And... I like spoiling things, and I don't like having to sit on information being told off when I let any of it leak. Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't want to come back for just a minute or so. He was like, I was the, I was the doctor. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But that's not to denigrate or belittle any of the other doctors from no. coming back, because thank you, previous doctors. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to them for what they did here and i think chibbers had a very nice way of handling the you pointed this out as well while we were watching this the classic companion meets classic doctor reunion yeah because the ai interface adapts yeah to their subconscious or whatever that was just a lovely device i agree completely agree really nice yeah there are things from this show that are all-time nice things Mm. this episode i mean we will look back on them with great fondness yeah especially when poor old previous doctors start to shuffle off the mortal coil this will have been dude let's not talk about that man that's never gonna happen but i'm saying that this never gonna happen never gonna happen obviously (laughs) well it will it bloody will wake up to reality okay damn it at that point we will look back on this episode and think thank goodness this episode exists and how many in the jodie whittaker era can you say that about yeah and in no this is it And it has the same kind of nostalgic vibe to it as Tom Baker returning as the curator at the end of the 50th. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he there? I don't know, but who cares? It's Tom Baker. It's lovely to have him there. And Peter Davison, they made him look decent. I watched Time Crash yesterday, and half of the lines in Time Crash are about, oh, you're old now and fat now and bald now. And Uh in this one, he was still pretty recognisable. Colin Baker was a lovely, big, bloated Buddha figure, and whatever. Just, it's impossible not to love him. Colin Baker's fantastic. Yeah. They're all fantastic. And Sylvester McCoy was still being manipulative and NLPing Ace, saying, actually, Ace, this was why I was the way I was with you. And Ace Mm. would be like, yes, Professor, of course that is. And Mm. (laughs) McCoy would be thinking, got whatever on you again. (laughs) (laughs) Tons of fan service in this episode, actually. Oh, yeah. How, how... What did kids get out of this episode? Lasers. Kids who have only known Jodie Whittaker. Lasers, lasers and explosions. And a yeah. fast train. A bullet train, by the way, is, I made a note, the perfect mobile corridor for Doctor Who. What is a train except a mobile corridor? <laughs> That's true. It's a wonderful <laughs> yeah. meeting of concepts. Yeah. I quite like seeing Ace parachute down. Well, her parachute gets shot to pieces and she hurtles down and then she lands inside the TARDIS and the gravity turns perpendicular and she lands on her feet somehow and Agreed. follow her through the doors. That was really nice. Yeah, that was ace, in fact. Absolutely. Yep. Most of the... Just to get back to the the fan service element, most of the fan service here was not as in-your-face as it tends to be. There were a few in-your-face items here or elements here, such as the, oh, I, I keep a... For no reason whatsoever, in the floor, I have a compartment that contains nothing but fan service. I'm going to put on my jacket <laughs> and my baseball bat. What? Is that where you keep your lockers unit? This is not a... Ha- <laughs> Just have a corridor and have lockers along the way. Like, high schools have mastered this. So, it... <laughs> 
but but fine. So that's in your face fan service. But then there were other bits that were just the the nitro, I guess, maybe is one of those slightly more <laughs> subtle. What what am I saying? <laughs> what yeah. are you saying? That's as subtle as the baseball bat. But fine, yeah. <laughs> but so there is that. There is the Master Dalek plan. Oh Unfo- yes. Unfortunately, as as we agreed, as watch uh, as we were watching this, that line was maybe longer than it needed to be. You didn't need to go back and also say the Dalek Master Plan, but fine, the Master Dalek Plan. That's a nice callback. Yeah, it turned into a gobstopper. He was chewing that thing to death. I wonder how the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who is going to top this in terms of. We respect the fandom, and we're also delivering something new. I'm sure it will... I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be even better. Slash, yeah. even in brackets, better. Yeah. Because it's RTD, and I'm very excited, and it's Chudy Gatwan. I'm very super-duper excited. And Neil and Patrick Harris in a top hat already has As me. the toy maker, I'm super-duper excited. Yeah. Holy smokes, yeah. But this one struck a very neat balance of new meets classic. I mean, even the Companions Anonymous scene is a subtle nod to it. They're all sitting there. They have actual name badges on on them, but it's still tastefully done. You don't have Ian suddenly putting on a knitted sweater and in Chiba style donning a laser rifle. You just have Ian sitting there, which is lovely. And people aren't saying, I travelled with the Doctor and he looked like this. And when I travelled with the Doctor, he wore that. Exactly. And this, these are some of the adventures we went on. If we were to summarise one, I would have to say he probably called it Logopolis or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Adric got name-checked. That was lovely. That's oh, yeah. a nice little bit of fan service that didn't need to be there, but it was. It's good stuff. Yeah. I would say there was only one... No, no. There's one negative I'd like to bring up before we start to wrap this up. Yeah, what is it? The episode hinted at more interesting directions that it could have taken. Like, I was writing down questions. Does Yaz love the Doctor enough to shoot the Master if she tells her to? Because Yaz is covering the Master with a gun and we know it's going to go tits up. And does she mean this? Could we bring a little jeopardy and also ambiguity into is Yaz's love for the Doctor a based on fact, given they (laughs) really haven't grounded it properly all the way along? Mm -hmm. And is it grounded in ethics and morality? And and does it blind her to, is it going to make her morally questionable? We'd never had that for Yaz. She's never actually been interesting. She's always been pure good Yaz all the way along. Nothing she's ever done has made us think, oh, oh, that's never made us sit up and engage it's, it's just been so two-dimensional i guess is what i'm saying where are the quandaries there are i feel like there are other negatives in this episode as well we're both probably quite euphoric we're experiencing that post new doctor who euphoria the feeling that you only get right after watching a bit of doctor who that you've never seen before yes yes i'm not saying that's the only negative Not at all, but it was one that I was noting as I went along. I didn't note too many as I went along. There was another question. Does, does, yeah, well, building on the last question was my next question. Why not shoot the master to flush the Siberian out of him? He was like, yeah, I swallowed the whole thing. So I'm tactical genius now. As if he wasn't before. Don't do the previous master down. Okay, he had his flaws, but (laughs) that's what we loved him for. And making him regenerate by shooting him wouldn't kill him. It would take care of the problem. Yeah. I remember you saying this. It's a super good, super good idea. It, could it be, sorry, just to interject, counter-argument, could it be that Yaz and everyone else, possibly even including the Doctor, don't know whether he has another regeneration in him? 
Oh, possibly. Maybe. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I'd accept that. But then we're on to 13 with the Doctor at this point. Yeah. And do, are we paying any attention surely to if the anything, count anymore? Yeah. Surely, if anything, the Master isn't sticking to the numerical rule. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Back, back in the 70s and 80s, he was obsessed with eking one last one out. And he's like half a dozen hence at this point. Yeah. And then my next question after that was, does Yaz love the Doctor enough to shoot the Master with the Doctor somehow trapped inside? to preserve the doctor's memory yeah or legacy and stop her perhaps suffering she doesn't know that the doctor isn't trapped behind the master's eyeballs watching all this in impotent horror i feel like this would be somewhere big finish might go that the telly just didn't and i found myself wanting a little more complexity i agree i think that just falls into the the category of more plot fewer lasers please yeah which I think neatly encapsulates how I feel about this episode. It's not a bad episode as such, but it's no. really not the episode that I would ask for someone to fashion for my adoring eyes. Okay. <laughs> this was a mock Marvel movie more than it was a Doctor Who episode. Right. And for that reason, yeah, there are, there are just parts of that conceptually that I'm not a huge fan of. Ah, but what about the Dalek was saying, we've lost sight of trying to preserve the Khalid race. Yeah, that was super cool. That also I would count to the, uh, it adds as a bullet point in the fan service list. Yeah, but it was super, also super Doctor Who-y. It was yeah. very true to it was the Daleks. Yeah, it was, it was very true to the Daleks and it could potentially lead to something much, much greater there. But is it followed up on? No. It's hinted at, it started, like the fuse is lit. Yeah. This Dalek is giving information to the Doctor. The Doctor is downloading it. Has she downloaded part of it? She's downloaded most of it, but not all of it. Will she have it? Will she still keep it? Will she use it? We don't know. We know nothing. Yeah. yeah. I count that as a countdown. Why in did reverse, this... by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It happened in Spyfall. Data sharing at 98%. Oh, look, someone's coming back into the room. Exactly the same here in the volcano. Yeah, exactly. When Yaz is in the office, Yaz and Ryan. Yep. Okay. So, should we agree to deal with the cybers more fully next time? Yes, please. And, and thus is concluded the final bullet point on our list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't really feel like there's much there to excavate, but give us more time and perhaps we'll find something. More time, more contemplation around this, probably a rewatch or a few, and we will have some opinions to share with you, Podcast Land. Yeah. Undoubtedly. So, I'll just finish with three final things i liked oh here we go all yeah, plus yeah. 0.1s i wrote down oh right oh wow extended fam yep that was a nice line yeah i liked the doctor acting like oh this static is a weird mystery and no it was entirely deliberate the whole time agreed the doctor did a clever and then graham with the psychic paper in the volcano yeah arnold palmerson <laughs> volcano inspector brilliant Worth bringing him back just for that. Completely agree. Yeah. And that is far from the only list of likes. This is an episode that is full of tons and tons and tons of likes. Yes. Really. There are so many things to really enjoy about this. There are also some things mostly in the kind of pacing part of the review, perhaps, that bear addressing. <laughs> but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. We will talk about the individual classic Doctors. We'll talk about the Fugitive Doctor suddenly making an appearance. Oh, yes! We'll talk about all of those little bits and yada, yada, yada. There'll be tons and tons to dissect, I have no doubt. Including the Cybers. Including the Cybers. And the 
And the Daleks. Yeah, there's more to say there. In general, can I just address the point of predictions? Mm -hmm. I was, and and I feel entitled to say this because I was so wrong with all of my predictions. With a few exceptions, a few of those things I, I hit. But the main bits I didn't. Oh, fuck. I prefer my version. Oh, you do? Yeah. I, I really prefer my version. <laughs> <laughs> I'll rewatch this later this week, Podcast Land, and I'll probably go, no, this is way better than what I said. But yeah, this is th- my instant reaction, instantish reaction. Yeah, and some of the things I predicted slash cribbed off other people, I didn't necessarily... Predicted? Don't be... Don't uh, sell yourself short, dude. You've got a Nobel <laughs> Prize on this. Oh, thanks. <laughs> of course. That's what I'm buffing under the table. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily pleased to see every single thing I predicted up on the screen. I want things that are beyond the limits of my imagination. My imagination can be very limited, and in certain cases, that's exactly what we got. But no, I I am pleased. I was pleasantly surprised, and I think it's a pretty good way to go out. Mm. And, you know, it's nice. We've been disappointed by Legend of the Sea Devils, for instance. Yeah. What an enormous improvement over that this episode is. Oh my goodness, yes. Night and day. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, a lightning bolt striking the local TV tower and nothing airing would have been an improvement on that. Wait, wait, you're talking about... <laughs> Legend you... of the Sea Devils. No, I, I thought you were talking about Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution of the Dark. Oh. That's what you just <laughs> referenced. Even that's better. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, or, or the Idiot's Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is actually pretty good. Right, okay, well, it is 10.30. We've spoken for an hour. That's long enough. That is long enough. I told that before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the end of Doctor Who. Absolutely not. Nor is it the end of Who Back When. <laughs> what have we got coming up next? Next is going to be a new review. We've already recorded it, so I can say with some certainty, it is a fantastic episode. (laughs) It's a new review of... Orphan 55. Dang right it is. After which, we will return to Classic Who territory with a review that we (laughs) still have not recorded, namely of The Mysterious Planet, part one of The Trial of a Time Lord. With Colin Baker, who we just saw an hour ago. That's right. Oh, very exciting. At some point, we'll have an audio review as well, namely of... Doctor Who Redacted. And in bonus episode territory, watch this space. Yeah, I think you've been well served. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We'll get around to one. (laughs) In the meantime, you can say hi to us online as well. Drew, I believe you're available on the Twitter... Twitter bloops? Twitter boops? Twitter... Yes, pull my... Twitter volume out of my Tweety bookcase at Drew Backwen. <laughs> Excellent branding. I can be found online as well. I am at Ponkin because rebranding is way more challenging than a lot of you seem to understand. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next time, thank you so much for being a lovely audience, Podcast Land. Be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and cha ciao. Bye. What? <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at whobackwhen. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?